Welcome back, everyone. It's Thursday, August 4th, 2022. It's another great day on the Intertubes. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Joining us, as always, on Thursdays, uh, my partner in crime, Dwayne Generalissimo Patterson, master of the universe, H-U-G-H-N-I-V-E-R-S-E.com, troll-free web surfing experience for Hugh Hewitt fans and listeners. Dwayne, welcome back. Uh, good to be back. How are things uh, going since the last we talked, which was just a few hours ago? Just a few hours ago. Uh, well, things are going well. I, I woke up. So, you know, things are already looking up, Dwayne. Um, <laughs> and you woke up, too. So that's good as well. Um, well the rest of yeah. it, maybe not so much. I don't know. Um, I, I certainly have. Uh, I am very glad that I staked my retirement, uh, my entire retirement fortune on popcorn. Because I think we're going to get a lot more of passing it around in the next few days. Um, Bernie Sanders went on. Uh, uh, is it okay to say went on the warpath? Are, are we allowed to say that anymore? No, I think I think only Chief Warren goes on the warpath. Oh, that's right. I think you're right about that. Well, he wasn't happy. Let's just say that he wasn't happy with what he called the Honestly, so-called it's, Inflation it's, Reduction Act. When's the last time that we actually saw Bernie Sanders happy? You know that's actually a really good point. I, I'm not sure that I've ever seen Bernie Sanders truly happy, which is which is really a shame. He should retire and find something that makes himself truly happy. Um, but this bill doesn't do it, and um, you know we talked about this a little bit last night about the very lengthy rant that he went on on the Senate floor, and I think it went on about- for it, it went on for at least half an hour, and it probably went on longer than that. I, I kind of lost track of it because we were doing the after show last night. I, and I think it, yeah, I think, it, I think it went on while we were doing it, too. I um, think so, too. But then after that, he sat down with John Bresnahan from Punchbowl. Sure. And um, uh, first off, Punchbowl notes, and so does, I think it was a roll call that I, that I quoted here, that even the climate change provisions of this, which you'd think Bernie Sanders would be delighted about, right? Most progressives were. They were saying, yay. Because it doesn't go far enough, right? He called. He quoted in the speech a letter from the Center for Biological Diversity that called the bill a climate suicide pact. <laughs> that's, that's a really good endorsement. Um, well, because they don't like the pipeline in it, right? No, I, I think they just don't like how little it, uh, is getting spent. I, I not the pipeline. I don't think is actually part of this bill. I think that's a side deal. Oh, uh, because it's it, because I don't think they could fit the pipeline in under reconciliation. Mm, we haven't seen the text yet either. See that? See that's the thing, right? Right. Schumer is still trying to do a jam down and have a final vote on this thing this week, and no one has seen the proposed language yet. Yeah, I, uh, I, 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 well, I think that first off, the parliamentary, the parliamentarian Elizabeth McDonough has it right because she's already doing the so-called birdbath on this thing, and oh, I, I, I don't, I have no idea what she has. I mean, there may be notes on it, but you, you really think that they've actually put this thing in 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 the language yet? I think they, they, they would have had to because again, they've submitted it to the parliamentarian, so okay. she has to look at. I mean, she has to look at legislative language, but that brings up a whole other question which i'll get to in a second but i i I did want to uh read you this exchange that punchbowl had this morning uh bresnahan says you're gonna vote for this bill right and it's almost like that you know you've seen that meme with um you know anakin and padme yes (laughs) it almost reminds me of that thing you know well you're gonna vote for this bill right you're gonna vote for this bill right um 
And, and Sanders says, well, right now we're taking a hard look. And I will tell you, what I will tell you is we're going to offer amendments to improve it. And we'll see what happens. And, uh, and Bresnahan says, okay, have you told your leadership about what your position is? Sanders says, we're going to offer amendments to improve the bill. And I think it desperately needs to be updated. This is a bill that ignores many of the most pressing needs facing working families, provides huge subsidies to the fossil fuel industry. So there you go. That's, that's, uh, you must be referring to the, um, pipeline in that. This is a bill that must be improved. And my question to that is, or else what? Because. Well, but, but you see, here's, this is the Washington parlor game. We see this all the time too. Right. Let's say, let's say Bernie Sanders offers two or three amendments, right? And let's say a couple of them pass 50 to 51 to 50 with a Kamala Harris breaking the tie on an amendment, right? Let's, let's say they, they, they narrowly squeak a couple of things through. Um, that's not, almost never do these amendments actually end up being part of the bill. Because what ends up happening uh, is they do this they do this wraparound thing where the final amendments they they push through and it turns it back into the original the original bill to begin with right 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 it, it allows it allows senators to say well I got my amendment passed I I improved it I changed it and then when all is said and done the final bill is what it originally was right. to begin with right yes. Yes, the wraparound, the, the final wraparound amendment is 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 usually, although in this case may not be uh, definitive or, or or it may be decisive because it may be that in the end neither Sanders or Cinema will vote for a wraparound amendment on this. I, frankly, both of them are saying they want changes to this bill, and the changes that both want are diametrically opposed to each other. Right? They're anathema to each other. We so. See- See that, and that's that's the fun part about this fifty-fifty Senate thing is you have both of them, and no one is no one is saying that that Kirsten Cinema wants to be president this cycle, but Kirsten Cinema, you know, she's she's thinking that she could maybe one day, you know, run run for the run, run for the uh, for for the the big office. The thing about Kirsten Cinema is she has a unique opportunity right now. Right. By saying no, she can. I mean, Hugh talked about this a lot this morning. Uh, he talked about it with Garrity this morning. She can. She can get whatever she wants right now. And I mean, she could ask for the stars and the moon right now, and the Democrats would would give it to her because they got to have her on board to pass this. Would thing. they though? And here's my question: the more that you have. Bernie Sanders talking about this bill as the so-called Inflation Reduction Act on the floor of the Senate, the more that you have him talking about how it's the climate suicide pact, can they offer even more concessions on fossil fuel and corporate um, corporate tax policy to cinema while still voting, coming up with some pretense to vote for this bill? And I don't necessarily mean Sanders. Because, but, you know, I got into a conversation on Twitter with Benji Sarlin, you know, NBC News guy, uh, center left guy who's a smart guy. And and I like Benji. Benji is uh, not a flamethrower. He's a uh, thoughtful guy. I just don't necessarily agree with his outlook on things. And he was making the point that, look, Sanders is going to come around on this. The question is not whether Sanders is going to vote no. And I said, yes, but the question is whether he's going to end up, you know, so to speak. And I didn't put it this way on Twitter, but crapping all over this to the point where it oh, becomes yeah. a liability rather than an asset when you're going into the into the midterm elections because that's what they ended up doing with the bipartisan infrastructure act and um and and it's and there's been no 
there's been no benefit. Nobody see, nobody's yet to see any concrete benefit from the infrastructure spending that's already been passed. So, I mean, they're really running a risk here that they're going to make this thing so toxic that even if it manages to eke out of the Senate, Nancy Pelosi might have a problem getting this thing through the House, especially if you're adding on stuff for, for Kirsten Cinema. I mean, if you're going to take off that um, carried interest tax charge, which is $14 billion, not a huge part of this, but still it's $14 billion in this. There's which other corporate I, tax changes in here that are more significant right. that she wants. Um, how do House progressives pass this? I mean, this is a shadow of the bill that it's a, it's a shadow of the compromise that they swore they wouldn't vote for them. The two trillion version of Build Back Better. It's a shadow of that bill. How do you get House progressives to vote for that now? I I, I totally agree with you. And the thing is, is is Kirsten Cinema isn't holding this thing up. Her leverage isn't over changing the you know the carried interest rate by from fifteen percent to fourteen percent. That's that's not enough of a win for her. If she's got leverage, she's she's got to get something. She's got to get something tangible, right? She's got to get something. That is going to help her in the near future in oh, it's, Arizona. It's, yeah, it's this. It's it's the uh, it's the drought relief portion. She wants five billion dollars in drought relief. It, they'll hand her that at the drop of a hat. That's I, but uh, I, that's I, not going to be an issue. I but I again, that's if she's got this moment of leverage, she's got to go for something big. Now here, see, here's what I'm doing. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Before you get there, though, don't forget that she's been going to the Arizona Chamber of Commerce asking them for what they want for the changes they want right. in this bill so she can go right. back. They're not concerned about the drought relief package. They're concerned about the taxes. Right. And so and so she's going to demand some kind of, you know, tax relief or or an easing off of, of that tax structure, which is going to change uh, you know, the financial impact of this bill. So as a Republican, this is this is what I think is just grand. You've got one horse that is pointed this direction with two ropes off of it those two ropes are tied to half of this piece of legislation right right and it it wants to go this direction and then you've got bernie sanders who aspires to be president too now bernie sanders is like 140 years old but you know he's he's actually (laughs) run for president a couple times right? a couple times yes yeah and if he's going to maybe entertain the idea of running again, he's not exactly, um, you know, a spring chicken anymore. What better opportunity than to sabotage Joe Biden one last time and make it so that it's basically an, an open season so Bernie Sanders could ride to the rescue and say, we need to go farther, faster. We the, the reason the reason we've had so much angst the past couple of years or during this time, the reason that Biden was a, a failure as a president is because he didn't go progressive far enough, fast enough. So Bernie Sanders has got another horse pointing this way with two ropes off it. And those ropes are tied to half of this piece of legislation. So I think the best thing to do is we encourage Kirsten Sinema or Kirsten Sinema. We encourage Bernie Sanders. We have both of those horses march off in two different directions and rend this thing in two. I mean, right. that's that's the, the best of all worlds, right? Well, well, for yeah, for Republicans, it's the best of all worlds. Um, if so, we so, want we want Kirsten Cinema to ask for the stars and the moon and have the Democrats ignore Bernie for the time being, 
and, and and basically water this thing down some more to the point where Bernie Sanders is like, uh, no. And and then they got to worry about keeping the progressive. It, it, there, there is all sorts of, of potential for mischief here for Republicans is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I mean, and the other part of this, too, and, and, and again, I, I, I do think that Benji has a point. I actually do think that Sanders will vote for this thing in the end. But if he was really if he was really invested in getting this thing passed, he would have just offered the amendments. He would have just said, hey, look. This is the beginning of a good policy, and I'm not going to let the perfect be the enemy of the good here. And what I'm hoping for is that we're going to revisit these things. And I want to offer some amendments to see if we can get some of these things improved here so that we so that we'll have a stronger case to make to the House. I mean, but there's nothing wrong with that. There, but, 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 I get that. But, 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 but what I'm saying is any amendment he gets, it's going to make it harder to keep cinema. Yeah, but I mean, that's that, that's not really my point. My point would be is that he would be setting this thing up for success by doing that. That's not what he chose to do. And Bernie Sanders, whatever else anybody thinks of Bernie Sanders, he's not stupid, right? No. He may be, his his philosophy may be dumb. I mean, socialism is a failed policy. Uh, it's a failed system. But I mean, he's he's not an unintelligent guy. He knows what he's doing when he gets up and, and says these things. And when and you're calling genuine. this bill, he's, he's yeah, genuine. I mean, He's genuine. He, he, <laughs> to he, a fault. he believes he believes what he says to right. a fault. To a fault. And and so um by the way, just on that note, I found out today that Bernie Sanders actually follows me on Twitter. And it's not like he follows a hundred thousand people either. He's got like twenty he follows like twenty three hundred people. Apparently I'm one of them. <laughs> I have no idea why. <laughs> so hi Bernie. Um uh, anyway, um <laughs> to get back to the point, um he deliberately set out to make this thing look bad. And and that tells me a lot about where they're going to go with this and how bad off Schumer is at the moment and how bad off Nancy Pelosi is going to be if and when, you know, this ever gets to the House. And right. so I, I, I do take Benji's uh, point that I think Sanders will end up voting for this no matter what. But he has made, he has made this so toxic now that there are going to be members of that House Progressive Caucus that simply are going to look at this and say, you know, how do I explain voting for something that Bernie uh, has lambasted as a corporate sellout, especially if Cinema gets some of um, some of the concessions that she's looking for? I'm not even sure at that point that Bernie's going to vote for it, but uh, it, it's Pelosi can only lose four votes in the House, and that Progressive Caucus is something like ninety something members of her of her caucus. It's not quite right. half. But it's a big chunk well, of, and, of her caucus, and, and 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 not even to discount the the block of the progressives. Keep in mind what we're talking about here. How many how many House Democrats are in vulnerable districts that they're already nervous about uh, November as it is, and they're going to be forced to walk the plank to do a tax hike, a uh, uh, you know whatever it is in 90, 98 days away from an election. Yep. Yep. Who wants to do that? Nobody. That, and, and, but they don't have any choice because the reconciliation envelope runs out on September 30th. You and I talked about this last night. We, That's part of did. a budget resolution that expires at the end of the fiscal year. Now so, they could totally, try to pass another one, but 
<laughs> Good luck with that at the moment. Totally he, agree. But how yeah. are are there four House Democrats that aren't even part of the squad? Are there four House Democrats that are out there that are so worried about their political survival here? Yeah, that they're willing to buck the trend because they don't want to. They don't want to have to campaign on. Well, you know, I just raise your taxes. Sorry, right. everything costs so much. Right. Um, Not only did we hike inflation, but I'm raising your taxes on top of that. Yeah. Are there four Democrats that are going to tell Nancy Pelosi, I'm sorry, I'm a team player, but I can't be a team player if I'm if I'm no longer in the game. That's right. That's right. All right. Let's move on. I mean, certainly this is going to be ongoing. We'll be talking about this next week. But um, but uh, let's move on to uh, a, a, a story that kind of was breaking. I guess you could call it breaking. It happened this morning anyway. Representative Carolyn Maloney was on CNN this morning. I think you may even have the uh, clip on this, Dwayne. Oh, uh, the Carolyn Maloney one. Uh, I don't got that one or not. Um, uh, oh, no, you probably don't, but don't worry about it. Representative Carol, Carolyn Maloney on Tuesday was in a debate because, you know, she's running against Gerald Nadler because of redistricting in New York. Uh, Maloney and Nadler, both of whom have been around Congress since, uh, you know, really before rap was a thing, um, <laughs> are having to run against each other. And it's actually kind of brutal. They're not being very nice to each other. In this uh, in this race. Anyway, they were in a debate on Tuesday night because the I think the Democratic primary is coming up in a week or two. And um, and the I think it was Anna Navarro from CNN asked them whether or not uh, they would support Joe Biden running for reelection in 2024. Nadler actually had a pretty smart answer, which was, well, you know, that's I don't want to get into that. This it's not a helpful question for us to be discussing in the context of a Democratic House primary, which is true. He's right about that. Right. At least he's smart about that. Politically, you know, tactically smart. Maloney said, well, I don't think he's running. <laughs> you know, I, set uh, off alarm bells everywhere. I don't think he's going to run. I think I, I actually think I can play that if you want. Yeah, feel uh, free. This was she was under under pressure. Carolyn Maloney decided that she needed to somehow, I guess, walk this back. Yeah, so here's, this was, here, this was here her this is. morning. Here it is straight from uh, here. It, well, I, 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 here's the original clip, at least from from the yeah. debate that sparked all this. Should President Biden run again in 2024? Yes. Mr. Nadler. Too early to say it doesn't serve the purpose of the Democratic Party to to deal with that until after the midterms. Ms. Maloney. I don't believe he's running for reelection. I don't believe he's I don't believe he's running for re-election. I'm sorry it wasn't Anna Navarro. It was one of the other people that asked that. And the third candidate there is Suraj Patel, in case anybody's uh, right. uh in case anybody's interested. So this morning though, she she went on television. I, if you don't have the clip, that's fine, because I can just I can just read off what it was that she said. Um she went on uh, television this morning and said, I happen to think you won't be running, Mr. President, but if you do, I'll <laughs> I'll endorse you. Um, um, uh, after apologizing, says, Mr. President, I apologize. I want you to run. I happen to think you won't be running, but when you run or if you run, I will be 100%. You have deserved it. You're a great president and thank you for everything you've done. Um, what, what, a what a ringing endorsement that is. Dwayne, in what context has a sitting American president in his first term of office decided not to run for re-election in his second year. Can you name me one example of that in American history? Uh, when did LBJ decide to uh, hang it up? Was that three years in? It wasn't until 1968. 
and he had already um and he technically he was in a second term right because he took over for kennedy after kennedy was assassinated it was the first elected term for him but he didn't make that decision until 1968 and he didn't make that decision until i think the new hampshire primary and as bad as the carter years were I still don't think Democrats were, were openly begging Carter to hang it up. No, I don't think. Uh, in, in fact, Carter didn't hang it up. No, I understand it. But I mean, I mean, there was no there was no open speculation and 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 calling for it amongst members of of his party in Congress. Right. And, and although, of course, there was the very um, serious primary challenge from Ted Kennedy that actually uh, lasted to the convention, if I remember correctly. And um, and might might have succeeded if it, Ted Kennedy could have articulated it, a reason he wanted to run for president. It, in the first it place. lasted all the way to Roger Mudd. Yes, yeah, it, effectively Roger Mudd ended it. Um, yes. But but I believe that the nominally the effort was still in place all the way down to the convention, and you know Kennedy finally graciously conceded and endorsed Carter. But by then it was far too late. It wasn't going to help anyway. Um, but I don't recall any. Other presidency, certainly not in my lifetime, and I would argue in American history, where a first-term president in his second year was being told by members of his party not to run for re-election of his own party. Certainly not this. Certainly not in in uh, in year two. Eighteen yeah. months in, he's eighteen yeah. months into the presidency, and his members of his own party are saying either don't run or I don't think he's running for re-election. Are are recognizing that he's too old, too incompetent, and he's already a failure. Right. I mean, just to say that I don't think he's running is an extraordinary statement, right? Yes. It's an extraordinary statement because it would be the first time in American history <laughs> that a president had made that decision this early in a presidency. It's not that we've, we've had presidents who have decided not to run for another term. We certainly have. Uh, but not in this, not like not like this and not at this stage of a presidency. Um, and even then, it's been relatively rare that presidents who are eligible for for another term, even prior to the FDR thing, because most people, most presidents I mean, even abided JFK, by the George Washington Even, uh, even JFK, president. right, in right. 1962, by the time... We were dealing with, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis and and all of that, all that stuff going on. Democrats weren't actively calling for it, for him to hang it up because he was incompetent, didn't know what he was doing, right? No, no. I mean, there 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 was there was nothing of the sort at that. Time. Well, he was also a very popular president too. He was still a very popular president I, even with I, even while going through those straits. Under, yeah. Understand, but I mean, I mean, there. There, there is there is no analog in in American political history no. that you can point to to what we're dealing with with Joe Biden. No, nobody wants him around. The electorate doesn't want him around. The electorate, uh, the electorate in virtually any poll you point to, the vast majority of the country, both parties, do not think it's appropriate for him to run again. Right, right. And I mean, 75% of Democrats don't want him to run again. That was the CNN right. poll. Uh, that was last week. But and... look at the polls, Jack. <laughs> look at the polls, Jack. Look fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that um, was back. And that was back when Biden was coherent. Um, so, but, yeah. but again, and again, what that goes back to is the Democrats know they've got this albatross around the neck. And that's what they're heading into the midterms about. And that's why you got to look around and and wonder if 
it, it's one thing to be in the minority, right? It's right. one thing for the Democrats to have to worry about going into being, you know, a, a minority party again. But how many Democrats are in districts where they've got a choice of either finding a way to 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 limp through this election and be in the minority and have a gig versus getting thrown out on your ass and then all of a sudden having to get a real job like everybody else, right? Right. There's a lot of these Congress people that like being Congress people because of all the perks and trappings of the job. So they're looking at, at this at this tax hike uh thing coming down the pike and they're like, I'm in a district that's a D plus two district. I'm gonna get crushed if yeah. I vote for this tax hike. The only prayer that I have is if I if I, I I never knew these people and I try to sound as conservative as I possibly can for the next 10 weeks and I stay away from this kind of nonsense just right. out of out, out of pure political survival. So, yeah, I, I think I think that Maloney's um, comments and her attempt to I mean, I think she made it worse this morning rather than better. And um, she doubled down is what she basically did. she doubled down. And I mean, Jake, Jake Sherman says day three. Maloney says she believes Biden won't run. I mean, that's who I got this from. I should have actually I, I wrote about it. I think I'll go back and just hat tip him on this uh, just to make sure that people know where I got it from. But Sung Mun Kim was another one who was like, wow, I, I thought I was going to take the day off, uh, at, you know, working in my added, garage. And, and then this came up. And the added benefit to Democrats if Joe Biden doesn't run again, Kamala Harris doesn't run again. I don't know. I don't know about that. If Joe Biden doesn't run again, I think Kamala Harris runs for the nomination. And I think, she, you know, at least nominally, she's going to be in the lead position to start off with. She's a terrible campaigner, so I don't think she'll hold it. Do you think she even gets to Iowa? Because she didn't last time. She didn't, but she wasn't vice president either. I think a lot of money is going to line up behind her. And I think a lot of media that's currently trying to avoid the fact that um, she who is, a, she is, is going, she's an incompetent fool. Who is going to back Kamala Harris? The thing about Iowa who's last go, time. Who's going to come out? Who's going to come out and oppose the first female woman of color who was vice president uh, and is in the position to succeed? Joe Biden. That's the question. Who in the who? Democratic Party is going to who in the Democratic Party is going to is going to have the the nads to do that? The governor of her home state. You know, I know that he's positioning himself to do that. He's sort of a nut, he's sort of a nutcase. He's not going to he's not going to really gain traction. I'm not even sure what he's thinking. But Gavin Newsom, I think Gavin Newsom has already been sort of cowed in the past by the um it, it's our turn folks i mean he got all sorts of crap remember for um pete Buttigieg, pete Buttigieg would, would, would challenge her i again wonder if that's the case it will certainly be interesting to find out i think you'd be more likely to get a governor to do that rather than somebody who's so immersed in beltway and in current leadership that they're going to be very nervous about the um about the equity now folks that are going to um that are going to rip them to shreds for attempting to get in the get in the way of a uh, a woman want, of you, color you want to know whose turn, it, this... whose turn it is Dwayne whose turn it is <laughs> Jared, Jared Polis in Colorado 
He'd be smart. He'd be a smart. He'd be a smart choice for Democrats. I've said that all along. I'll tell um, you the one. Rory the Cooper one that actually, in, um, uh, not Rory Cooper. Roy Cooper. Roy Cooper in Roy uh, Cooper and North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, he could. I'll tell you the only one that really scares me on the horizon, as far as a Democrat that actually could win it and be sane, is um, soon to be Governor of Pennsylvania Shapiro. Yeah, Shapiro would be an interesting choice. Um, he. I would say he, that he Andy Bashir Andy Bashir in Kentucky. I'm not buying that. Um, he doesn't have the charm or charisma, at least that I've seen. Yeah. But he he's handling a, he's handling an emergency situation down there pretty well. He's managed to get elected in a very red state. Um and or at least at least a pretty conservative state, which has just now changed over to majority Republican um registration, voter registration. Right. Um he might be in the mix if he decides that he wants to even try it, which, you know, I'm not necessarily sure that any of these people are going to feel comfortable running against Kamala Harris in this. And I suspect that that is going to be a very big consideration when it comes to an open primary, which I think that they're going to end up having, regardless whether Biden jumps in or not. He's going to have to fight a primary in 2024. He is just too damaged for the for the party to, to let stand and if biden decides to run then kamala has to stay on the sidelines yeah that's true that's true i mean <laughs> i i mean I, you'd have to go back to the, the the founding days of the republic right to find a vice president who was running against his his president you know his incumbent yeah. president right um wasn't that um Thomas Jefferson did that against John Adams, but that was in the days where the lose the, the the loser of the presidential election ended up being vice president, right? Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, it wasn't yeah. necessarily the same party. Right? It was it was almost never the same party right. or faction. So, um, yeah, I mean that would be that, you couldn't buy enough popcorn. There wouldn't be enough popcorn in the world. Well, to, to, to I, go through that cycle, man. I, I think I think the number of people that would challenge Kamala Harris would be legion only because everybody has now seen Kamala Harris on on a public stage. They know what she's like. They've seen her campaign before. They know she's horrible at this. And nobody is just going to hand it to her because you got to hand it to her because she can't win it on her own you've got it well, you've literally got to hand it to her and they tried in 2019 well but if if they hand it to her they're gonna lose 49 states well they'll lose 49 states just because she's a terrible campaigner she's a terrible right. candidate so but they are literally going to hand it to her Dwayne. My, my prediction is they're literally if biden decides not to run and i think that he's going to make that decision right after the midterms i think i think that the first week of December, maybe, maybe, maybe the last week of the session in Congress, so maybe the last week of December, Biden is going to say, "You know what? He's I'm going to die." He's, he's going to do the LBJ. Yeah. Yep. That's that's my if, prediction. If if uh, if if the Democrats hand it to Kamala Harris and they just say twenty four is a lost cause, we're gonna we're gonna cut our losses. We'll we'll blindly support. Kamala Harris, and we're not going to even challenge it. We're just going to we're just going to treat this as a write off and, and play the string out. Uh, and use a, a baseball metaphor. Um, if they're, if they, if that's what they do, can you imagine the damage that will do to the Democratic Party in the twenty four election cycle? Oh yeah. oh yeah, 
I mean, she's, to, because to she's the, terrible at this. Yes. To the congressional races and the Senate races. I mean, there, there are going to, in 24, there is, uh, yeah, the numbers not, favor, the numbers favor Republicans in 24. There, there is, there is nine legitimate GOP pickups available. Nine yeah. in, in 24. Yep. 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 Indeed. All right, Dwayne. Uh, we got a few minutes left because, you know, I'm not doing a, um, uh, you know, a, a, a news wrap up at the beginning of this podcast because we always do sort of we the hottest the topics. Yeah, yeah. We, we kind of are the news wrap up. We, we kind of are. But um, what what are what were the breaking news stories for you guys this morning on the Hugh Hewitt show? What was your top story this morning? Uh, well, as soon as I finished typing it up, we had uh, Chris Christie on uh, this morning, the former governor of New Jersey. And uh, he said a couple of really provocative things. And, uh, you know, a lot of people love to, to, to hate on Chris Christie. And that's that's why, you know, whatever. Um, but Chris Chris, uh, Hugh, you talked to him about Deshaun Watson and, and all this <laughs> nonsense stuff. Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I know. I know. But then but then he he, he just kind of just as a throw in, he, he talked about the. You know the, the twenty-four uh, sweepstakes and and who's going to run and Hugh says just as a as a setup to his question and and, and you're going to run you're going to be in the mix we we know that and he went on to to state whatever or, or to frame whatever question he had and Christie let that go he didn't push back and say well I haven't made a decision yet he just well, that's he just interesting. he just accepted the premise that he's running so and do, do you really think he's running? Hundred percent, he's going to run. You think so? Because hundred percent, hundred percent, he's going to run. I, I'll tell you, this is like Newt Gingrich running in twenty twelve, and it's not that. And it's not that I don't like Newt Gingrich. It's not that I don't like Chris Christie. Although you know, I I've had my you know issues with sure both sure just because you know they're politicians and you know nobody's perfect. But really, I mean, that's yesterday's solution tomorrow. I mean, I it's, understand he's got one. He's going to run, and then when Hugh heard that and bore down on it. He says, well, look, you know, 24, there's got to be 15 people on that stage. Right. Um, especially if, 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 uh, you know, even if, if, if Trump runs, there's still going to be 15 people on that stage. And Chrissy says, no, there's not going to be 15 people on that stage. If, if Trump runs, Trump clears a lot of the field, but it'll be down to five or six most. Yeah. Which is not good for Trump. He really needs there to be 15 people on the stage. Now, you want to guess the five or six that Chris Christie said would actually run? Let me see if I can guess. And you tell me if I'm, you tell me how far off I am. Yeah. Obviously, DeSantis, Glenn no. Youngkin. No. No. That's, that was the news hook in this is he named who his six were going to be that were going to run. That would be on the stage, even if Trump were to throw his hat in the ring. And DeSantis didn't make that cut. He omitted DeSantis from that cut. And I, that just floored me. Yeah, he's completely wrong about that. He's completely wrong about that. Of course because, DeSantis because, is going to go. Yeah, he doesn't have any choice. He's in the second year. I, be, I don't think Florida he's has never, term limits. He's, he's never going to. Uh, yes, that, you're right. I think they do. Because I think. Do they? And because I, I thought I, I thought Jeb had three terms. Maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering that. I think I think Jeb only had two. Okay. Um. But the window for Ron DeSantis, he's never going to be more popular than he is right now. He's never going to have 
the the, the name recognition and and the, and the and the platform that he has right now. He's never going to that the stars are as aligned for him as they ever are going to be for him to run for office. Yeah, there's no way DeSantis waits another four years. He'll be out of office two years at that point. And yep. and yesterday's news kind of like and all due respect, kind of like Chris Christie is. Um, the time for DeSantis to run is now, and and polls show him being very competitive now against Trump for the nomination, even with Trump in the race. So who okay, are the so, other? So who are the five that he that he picked? Cruz, Christie, mm-hmm. um, Pompeo, yeah. Trump. Uh, who else? Uh, who else did he say? Now, who see, I'm not say? sure Pompeo runs against Trump. Cotton. I see Cruz. I see Cotton. I'm not sure that Pompeo runs against Trump, though. He he. He's almost now. You see, here's the thing. Here's here's why. Here's why you have to know about this. What did Christie and Pompeo just work together on? Um, remind me. The read the uh, the re- all the drawing the maps. Remember, they were on that commission that. Oh they yes. Formed? yes, yes, yes. The, yes, the yes, RNC yes. assigned the two of them to work together and make sure that the lines were redrawn fairly. And they actually, after bringing uh, uh, key strategic suits, that they won. They were able to get some states to throw away the partisan um, uh, crazy maps, and they got some decent maps drawn, so that instead of it being Democrats redrawing from the census and adding five or six seats it turned out to be what republicans plus one or two or something like that right yep 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 yeah you're right well that's because of that commission that was a joint commission run by two guys chris christie and mike pompeo who worked side by side every day on that and they're actually friendly about it they're friends about it so when chris christie tells me that mike pompeo's gonna run it's not it's not somebody being an analyst somewhere and looking way off in the horizon saying, yeah, I think he's going to Right, right. They know each other really well. They just work together on this project side by side. They've had conversations. They both know yeah. they're going to go. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, 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 I hear you on that. Uh, and I think Pompeo's made it obvious. I, I'm, I am... I am pretty sure that. Oh, he said Mike Pence was going to go for sure. Yeah, I think Pence is. I think Pence will be in the mix. The problem with Pence and Pompeo um, are that they're part of that Trump era, right? Totally agree. They're going to wind up negating each other. Totally agree. But again, the newsmaking thing wasn't what he said. It's 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 who he excluded. It's right. It's who wasn't going to be in there. Yeah. Because that's the curious thing is. On what planet does Ron DeSantis not run? What what does he what what does Chris Christie know about Ron DeSantis that I don't? I suspect that it, that's a little bit of wish casting because I think what happens with Ron DeSantis is Ron DeSantis clears the field. I think if even if Trump gets in, Trump will clear the field of some folks, especially those who were in the Trump administration. Um, but I think if DeSantis also gets in, a lot of the rest of the field will clear out because the donors are going to go to DeSantis. The Trump donors are going to go to Trump. The everybody else goes to DeSantis. And then and then everybody else clears out and then what's the emergency fallback at that point? Cuz if if DeSantis trips on a landmine somewhere, what's the what's the fallback? Yeah, well, I think that you're still going to have people that are hanging around, but I don't think that they're, they're going to get traction. 
unless fall, unless unless the fallback the fallback is Glenn Youngkin, who doesn't have to worry about the big donors as much. Well, that's because true he's, because he's got a ton of money, right? And 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 he could jumpstart a campaign in a second. Well, there you go. You've got it figured out. And you heard it here first on the Ed Morrison Show go. podcast. All right. What's coming up on tomorrow's Hugh Hewitt Show? Uh, tomorrow on the old program, we will have the next installment of the Hillsdale Dialogue with Dr. Larry Arn. Um, and uh, what else do we have? Sunday Bunch will be along with movies. Uh, Doug Maurice, who is a uh, great sports podcaster, um, will be back uh, because college football is about ready to begin again. We, we did this all, all season last year and kind of did college football talk. Why? Because it's your show and not my show. Right. Uh, we will talk about that tomorrow. Um, plus, you know, I'm sure there's going to be something going on politically speaking, like uh, what will Kirsten Cinema do? What will, uh, you know, we, we will, we will encourage the split between Kirsten Cinema, the Democrats, and Bernie Sanders, and hope that the the three go three different directions. That's uh, what we will try to foment on the next edition of the UU Show. Well, that's good. You should definitely have that clip handy from Real Genius, the popcorn clip, where uh, Kent says, "Okay, God, let oh, me have it." Have it. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> well, it's exactly coming up. Right. That's coming up tomorrow on the Hugh Hewitt Show, starting at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, 5 a.m. in God's Time Zone, 3 a.m. on the Left Coast, and of course tonight is the Universe, the after show in the Universe, h u g h n i v e r s e dot com, troll free web surfing experience for Hugh Hewitt fans and listeners. Dwayne will be on at 8 p.m. tonight, right? Yes, sir. Doing Indeed. basically the. Uh, Doing basically the lightning round, uh, going through all the different clips, and uh, if, if you want, to, if you want just a, a sneak preview of what Hugh may cover in the morning, or Hugh should cover in the morning but won't because he gets sidetracked, that's what I'm for. <laughs> well, there you go. And if you remember the universe, you can you can watch it, and you can watch uh, the Hugh Hewitt show in the morning on on your television screens, also through Salem Now, which is an, a, a subscription app, so you can do it there as well. Uh, yep. Dwayne, if not, they can listen on the AM radio dial. What should they do if they can't find the Hugh Hewitt show on the AM radio dial? Um, I think you bring Kirsten Cinema and uh, Bernie Sanders into a GM's office and just have a debate for a while. <laughs> yeah, I think you call it the AM radio uh, dial uh, suicide pact. Not having Hugh on the, you know, have Bernie Sanders yes. make that argument. I think that that's what you have to do. And then you'll, then you'll get a station manager to put him on, but that you could also just go to hughhewitt.com and listen to the live audio stream from there. Dwayne, another fun week, uh, covered here. We'll see you again next week. Like a plant. Thanks guys. See ya. We'll see you soon and, uh, stand by. We'll have just one more message coming up. Thank you for watching and listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Be sure to subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube to get alerted as soon as new episodes get published. You can support the Ed Morrissey Show and Hot Air's VIP reporting by becoming a VIP member, too. Visit hotairvip.com and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA, all one word, for 40% off your membership. Choose VIP Gold and gain membership to access to all of the town hall sites. Thanks again for watching and listening.